This is I Don't Care the Podcast, and I'm your host, Alexia Stefano. This week's episode, we are going to talk about something that nobody likes, something that I'm sure annoys everyone, and something that everyone has dealt with. Or, if you haven't dealt with it, you're probably the one doing it. I'm talking about unsolicited advice. (sighs) Annoying. Unsolicited advice is advice that people give to people who did not ask for advice. Annoying. Anyways, we're going to get into that later. But for right now, like always, we are going to talk about my I don't care of the week. And I have one. This week, I don't care about dog training videos because let me tell you, dog training videos are so annoying. It's almost like imagine tutorials on how to raise your child. It's kind of like what dog videos are. Um, Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. I watched one video. And it was this guy kind of training people on how to deal with their picky eater dogs. And what he said to do was put your food's bowl, I'm sorry, put your dog's bowl of food on the ground. And if they don't eat it after however many minutes, you take it away and you don't let them eat until dinner time. And if they repeat that by not eating their dinner at dinner time, you take the food away and you don't let them eat until the next day. And you keep doing that. You keep taking their food away and not allowing them to eat until they become so hungry they have to eat the food in front of them. That's what one of the videos said to do. Starve your picky eater dog until they have to eat. And then from that point on, they'll eat the food. What? I'm sorry. That seems so cruel to me to starve your dog. I mean, imagine. Just imagine you as a human being forced to not eat anything. Say it's a bowl of broccoli. You're not allowed to eat anything until you have that bowl of broccoli. And if you don't want it, then you don't eat for the day. Eventually, you're going to eat the broccoli because you're hungry, even if you hate broccoli. I don't think that's a great idea. I don't think that's what we should be doing. I think dogs are allowed to be picky. And if they're not eating their food, maybe they're indicating that they're lacking nutrients. Maybe they're saying, hey, I don't like this food. Maybe they're saying, I want to I want to eat adult food or I want to go back to puppy food or um, I just don't like it. My dog is, she's a picky eater. She wasn't when she was a puppy, but then turned into one. And uh, she eats her dinner, but she doesn't really like to eat her breakfast, which is fine. Uh, How she loves her bowl of food is you have the dry food, you mix it with some water with the wet food, 
And then you, we put it in her slow feeder. And that's how she loves to eat it. She loves her wet and dry food mixed with a little bit of water. And that literally takes two seconds to do and she eats her food. I think learning how your dog likes to eat their food is way more efficient than forcing your starved dog to eat food they don't like. Call me crazy, but that was one video that stuck with me where I'm like, hmm, I'll know about that. And then there's just a bunch of, like, videos, how to properly walk your dog. And why is it so important? Now, (laughs) let me tell you this. Luna sucks with the come command, and that is probably the most important command. She's good in public. She's good at the dog park with come, but she's not good at home. Um, and she's not good if she runs out of the front door. God, it takes forever to get her back. So that's our issue. I'll say, if anyone has advice, open down to hear it. But there's just some things where I feel like it's taken it too far. I think if your dog knows the basic commands, can do tricks, whatever, like why do they have to be so obedient? They are animals at the end of the day and they want to play they want to eat they want to have fun let's let our dogs have some fun so going back to walking my dog while the videos of how to properly walk your dog is like um you don't want them to pull you don't want them to wander even though they're on a leash you don't want them to be in front of you you want them to be right beside you. Um, look, to each their own. I allow Luna to walk in front of me. Sometimes she walks behind me. Usually she's walking on the sides of me. I let her do whatever. The only time it comes annoying is when I'm on a slurpy run with my friend Cassie and Luna is going from side to side because she's sniffing over here, but then she's sniffing over there and then she's sniffing over here. That's the only time it's annoying. Otherwise, Luna's sniffing, finding her spot to pee, finding her spot to poop. She sometimes likes to run, so when she starts to run, I'll run with her because she likes she likes that. She's not like pulling me because she wants to be obedient. She just smells something up ahead and wants to get to it. Or she sees something and she's like, ooh, let's go see what that is. And when there's other dogs, she's not pulling the leash to get to the other dogs. Um, I do hold her a little closer anyways, just in case, just to have more control. But usually when we walk past other dogs, she just kind of stares. Maybe she'll do one bark, but... Usually she just kind of ignores them or just stares. And most of the time she actually gets nervous and she'll walk further away from the dog. But if there's a dog behind us, she won't run towards it. She won't bark at it, but she'll turn her head every two seconds or she'll stop to stare at it as it's approaching and then walk away when it gets too close. So um, she's not a bad walker. Like, here's the thing with those videos is it's like if you don't follow them and if you I ignore a lot of them, but they almost make you feel like if your dog isn't this well trained that they're bad dogs. And here's the thing. 
my dog, except for the cum, which I know is very important, um, for the most part, she's great. She listens. She, she's great. And she knows how to play and have a good time. And I think that's so important. I think it's super important that we let our dogs have fun. We have playdates every day, whether we go to the dog park or our dog friends come here and we play in the backyard. Doesn't matter. She sees her dog friends every day because that exercise is so important. And they at least hang out for an hour, like on the weekends when we get together or or whatever. Sometimes we try and push it, but they at least are playing together for an hour. And Luna loves to play with her friends. Um, so. Yeah, I don't care about dog training videos because sometimes they're so tedious or they're so crazy. Like I was watching one yesterday because they keep coming up on my feed. Um, I was watching one yesterday and this guy was like, if you let your dog pull on the leash, they think they're acting like animals. You don't want them to do that. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Last time I checked... A dog is an animal. Now, maybe I was sleeping when they made the change of genes for dogs. But yeah, the last time I checked, a dog is an animal. So, I don't know. It's kind of annoying that they're so strict with dogs. It's like, again, like as long as I know their basic shit... Why can't they have fun? Like, why do they have to walk while healing to you? Why do they have to starve to eat? Why do they have to do X, Y, and Z in order to have a fun time? You know? Sometimes Luna will beg for a treat, and I'm like, well, what are you going to do to deserve it? And so then we'll do some exercises. Okay, sit, lay down, stand, come, leave it. Like, we'll do those things, and that's fine. Uh, a little fun fact about Luna is that she actually hates her paws being touched. Um, and she's the most comfortable with me. So she tells me how it is. She will nibble my little fingers if I try to dance with her, if I try to look at her nails, if I touch her paws. But if my mom touches her paws, she'll leave it because she knows my mom will get mad at her. So she... She hates when I groom her and she hates when I touch her paws, but she has no problem when my mom grooms her. She has no problem when the professionals groom her. She hates me brushing her teeth. She hates when I take a bath, not when I take a bath with her, when I give her a bath because she's so comfortable with me. She can say, hey, I don't like this and fuck off. So I love Luna and I tell her to fuck off right back. I say, you are trying to tell me to stop, you know, cutting the hair around your eyes, but I'm telling you to stay fucking still so I can do it. And then she doesn't, and I get angry, and I still get my way because I'm like, I'm going to cut that hair around your eyes so you can see. And then eventually when I get it done, she's like, oh my God, I can see. And she's happy. And then she gets a treat. Because I'm trying to teach her, if you do what I say, you get a treat. So, I love Luna. 
So a funny little story. My mom listens to most of the episodes. I don't know about all of them, but she listens to a good chunk of them. And it's funny because um, when I'm around certain friends or uh, if I'm saying like a story or something, I, I can swear. It's usually when I'm saying a story that I swear for some reason. But she, uh, she comes to me and she's like, I was listening to your podcast and you talk so different. And I'm like, what? How? And she's like, well, you swear a lot. You say fuck a lot. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah. I mean, everybody talks to their moms differently than they talk in real life. Uh, just because, you know, there's, I don't know. If I, when I swear around my mom, she sometimes is like, what'd you say? And she sometimes doesn't care. So it's, um, I usually don't. Uh, but around friends and stuff, I do. So you guys, you listeners, you're getting the, the real deal because 99% of people who swear probably don't swear in front of their parents. So I don't know why that makes me so uncomfortable saying I swear, but not around my mom. I mean, we all do. So now we are going to get into unsolicited advice. Now, I got a hair in my mouth. What we're going to do is I'm going to give you guys unsolicited advice. And then after we are going to talk about what unsolicited advice is and if you are someone who gives unsolicited advice, how to stop. But for the fun purposes of the podcast, I'm going to give unsolicited advice for both real things and also things that don't matter at all. So buckle in and enjoy my advice that you did not ask for. All right. The first thing that I'm going to give you guys advice on is how do you push through your worst times? Well. Ladies and gentlemen, non-binary and everyone in between, how to get through tough times in your life. Well, honestly, I think the best thing is to obviously do therapy, but to also read books, to read nonfiction, um, books on like Atomic Habits, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, uh, even... If you're going through a hard time and it's grief, read uh, The Year of Magical Thinking. Um, Another good book is Daring Greatly. Uh, There's so many books. A great thing to do is read those books on habits because you can learn if you're going through a hard time how to transition Maybe those bad habits or habits that you want to stop or habits that you might be scared to get into um, and how to twist those and make it something good. And the other thing I would recommend is to either read the book uh, The Secret or to watch the documentary on Netflix or screw that and just learn yourself about the law of attraction because 
what you believe and what you put out into the universe, into the world, into your God, into your religion, into whatever will come true. It's kind of like what people say, you are what you eat. Well, you are what you put out into the universe. If you say, I am a loser, you are a loser. You become a loser. Your life becomes the life of a loser. Maybe you lose your job. You are broke. You don't have a relationship. Whatever the things you hold to high standards, if you say that you are a loser, you will become one. If you say, I say all the time, I am a successful actress. Well, no, I'm not. Right now in my life, I'm not. But I am on the road to becoming a successful actress. So you see, if someone comes up to you, if someone came up to me and were like, well, why are you acting? You're not doing anything. Well, no, I'm, I'm currently on the road to success. I'm paving the way. I wouldn't go, yeah, you're right, you know, I'm not doing anything, but we'll see. Because that then means that I'm putting out into the universe that I don't know what my future is going to be. That I, I don't know, that I'm leaving it up to the fate. Well, I don't believe in fate. I believe in my own destiny. I believe in my mindset. I believe in my body is my temple. If I want to run 100 miles per hour and I believed I could, I will. If I train, that's the thing. You can't just believe you will. I can't just believe I'm going to be a successful actress. I have to also put in the work, and I do. So I think in order to get through hard times in your life, you really got to focus on your mindset. What are your habits? What are the things you're thinking? What are the things you're saying to yourself? How do you speak to yourself? If a hard time in your life is body image, how are you going to look at yourself in the mirror? How are you going to talk about yourself, whether it's to other people or to yourself? It has to be in a positive manner, whether you believe it or not. Megan Trainer. Um, she said in a podcast that she did that after she gave birth to her son, she felt the most insecure that she's ever felt in her life and that her therapist told her to look in the mirror for five minutes, completely naked every day. And she said that the first day she hated it. She couldn't stand it. She wanted the time to be over with, but she continued and she started to feel more confident. She started to love herself more. She started to appreciate aspects of her body. And that's because her mind is shifting. Her mind was going from, I can't look at you, you're ugly, to, you know what? I love your legs. You're pretty. You carried a baby. What not? So, Mindset is everything. I can't even stress that enough. Look around your look around your own life and the people who you surround yourself with and think about the people who are happy. 
I was going to say successful, but no, that, that doesn't mean anything. Look at the people around you who are actually happy. And look at the people around you who are longing for something, who are sad, who are kind of a bummer to be around. And think about the way they speak. How do the happy people speak compared to the people who are miserable? They're more positive, I'm sure. They have more confidence. They believe in themselves. They talk more highly. And then the people who are negative, you know, they're always saying negative things. I'm broke. This person at work today was mean to me and and it broke me down. I I don't like the way I look. I want to lose 10 pounds. Those positive people, if they have the same problems, I'm broke. They'll be like, today I earned this much money. Or yesterday I was able to pay for this bill. If they want to lose weight, yesterday I gained 10 pounds, but today I'm eating a salad. And I'm changing my habits. You see those small changes? They make a difference. And that's something I'm working on. And that's honestly something that I think will always be something to work towards is the things that I say to myself. And I I try and stop myself a lot because I judge myself hard, but I'm not going to lie. I also judge other people. And so when I'm caught judging someone else or judging myself, I say, hey, stop that brain. Why, what is judging someone doing for me? It's not doing anything. It's just making me a bad person. So stop. Twist it to something positive or drop it. That's the mental gymnastics that I do in my own brain when I'm thinking negatively about myself or someone else. Mindset is everything. So to get through hard times in life, focus on your mindset. Focus on yourself. Even if it's unfortunately someone in your family is sick or you're going through a divorce, there's multiple people involved in your hard time. You are only going to do so much for them if you're not well yourself. So take that time with therapy, with reading, with watching those documentaries, with learning about the law of attraction or mindset or whatever you want to do. But take that time for yourself. And I, I guarantee you, when you do that work and you put that work in for yourself, your life will get better and so will the people around you. It's like on a plane. Every pilot says, put those damn oxygen masks on yourself before you put it on your kid or someone around you. Because if you go to put it on someone else first and you pass out, then who are you going to help? Help yourself before you help others. Because a broken you can't fix someone else. Mic drop. Okay. Now we are going to get onto advice for new parents. And I actually did a whole episode, which was kind of a joke, on giving advice to parents from a non-parent. But 
honestly, I do have advice for new parents. And that advice is to do what is right for you and your family. Listen to your own heart. Make decisions that you feel are right. Somebody can try and help you. People can try and guide you. You could accept what they want or you can leave it. But you shouldn't be judged for the decisions you make for you and your family. And that's the thing with a lot of, you know, um, mom influencers is that in the comment sections, you're going to read someone. And even if you're not an influencer, you're just a parent who wants to post about your child. I guarantee you're going to have hate at some point. Someone's going to say you're doing something wrong. And if your child is happy and healthy and you as a parent are doing everything you can for your kid and for yourself, then you're doing everything you should be and you're doing great and you're going to be fine. And you don't need the most expensive gadgets for your kids because in all fairness, they're probably probably going to prefer an empty box than they will an expensive swing chair. So don't feel that you are going to be a bad parent if you don't buy the most high-tech, fancy stroller car seat. No. Get what's safe and get what's in budget. You want to make sure that you have money for emergencies. You want to make sure you have that money saved for their school, for um, diapers, for food. In the case if you're preparing to breastfeed but you ultimately can't and you just spent all that money on that new stroller and now you have to buy formula, you're in a pickle. So don't feel like you have to buy the most expensive everything. Just get what you need and have emergency money on the side. Now, I brought up something. How to feel how to feed your child. This is something that a lot of parents struggle with. Um I know there's a lot of shame for moms who can't breastfeed their kid or choose not to breastfeed their kid. Look, if I ever did have children, I don't want to breastfeed my kid because I have really nice boobs and I would like them to stay that way. And breastfeeding makes boobs sag. So for me, I would do that. And if you are the same kind of person where you're like, I don't want to breastfeed because I want to save my boobs. Good for you. That doesn't make you a bad mom. Because formula food is good for your child. There is such a stigma around formula that it's bad for your kid. If you don't breastfeed naturally that you're a bad parent. That you are going to miss bonding moments. Honestly, I don't think any of that's true. And again, I'm not a parent. I'm just going off of family members that I've seen. I'm going off of... Um, my favorite YouTuber, her name is Colleen Ballinger, and I love her, and she happened to, you know, be pregnant with twins over COVID and vlog that whole experience. And so a lot of what I'm saying as well is things that I've seen her struggle with. And um, at the end of the day, 
other people's opinions don't matter. Even if it is your own mother, even if it is your own father, your own siblings, whoever. Do what is right for you and your family. That's it. That's it. It's that simple. That's all I have to say on that. Okay. Now this, um, this is important. And I need you guys to listen to my unsolicited advice and take it fully. Don't take it with a grain of salt. Take it. The next thing we're going to talk about is how to eavesdrop professionally. Now, I am a professional eavesdropper. I can eavesdrop all the time. I can eavesdrop from the different room, from the same room. I can eavesdrop everywhere. Okay? And I love eavesdropping. The place that I eavesdrop the most is the SkyTrain or buses. And so let's talk about that. Let's let's paint a scenario where I'm in a SkyTrain and there's two girls behind me and they're talking about whatever they're talking about. The best way to eavesdrop is to not move, is to not go on your phone, is to just sit and stare out the window. Enjoy what you're looking at, but listen to the person behind you. Now, why I say look out the window is because you can then turn your head a little bit, having your ear face the person behind you more. So you're looking out the window, but you can hear them better. And if you want, you can peek at their their reflection through the window. And so you're eavesdropping. You can see what they look like because that always helps. And you can also have a scenery. Now, if you go on your phone and you eavesdrop, you're going to forget to listen. You're going to get distracted. It just it doesn't go well. But when you focus on what they're saying, but it looks like you're focusing on something else, even if it's the floor, whatever, then you could eavesdrop here better and participate better. So that's how to do it on SkyTrains and buses. If someone's far away and there's like some annoying sound, I mean like, and you're at home or something, then you could always go closer, like go to the washroom or go to the living room, and that's when you could go on your phone or something. Um, what else? It, this is, um, it's hard. I can tell you a few times, though, when Ivy's dropped. The most recent time was last week. And I was on the SkyTrain, and there were two girls behind me. And, uh, well, they were in front of me, um, and then two seats freed behind me. So then they sat in those two seats. And I was eavesdropping, and pretty much they're two exchange students. Uh, they came here from Germany. And one of them was into this guy, and the other one was asking questions about him. And the girl's like, wait, let me show you what his body looks like. And so she pulls out a picture and she shows the girl what his body looked like. And the other girl was like, oh, my God, he's so hot. But like with her accents. And she's like, I know. And then uh, the friend is like, has he had sex yet? And the girl 
that likes him is like, no, he says that he's waiting for someone super special. He doesn't want to have sex until it's the right time. And the other friend is like, oh, really? Because I thought he had sex with this person. And then the girl was like, no, he didn't have sex with that person. That's all lies. Those are lies. He's waiting to have sex with the right person. He's a virgin. He's still a virgin. And I was dying in my seat because on top of it, their German accent was just so like it was making it so funny because it wasn't like he's a virgin. It's no, he he virgin. He virgin. He doesn't do that. They're, he's virgin. He's waiting for the right girl. And it was it was just cracking me the fuck up. That was a good time. That was a good eavesdrop sesh. And they were going on and on and on. But that was my favorite part of the story. Because then she got loud. Because she was like, no, he's a virgin. And at this point, everyone on the sky train could hear. No need to eavesdrop. But uh, at first they had another friend and then she got off at a station and they were going uh they kept going and when she got off sometimes like friends can be bitches and they can be like oh my god she's so annoying whatever they didn't when she got off the sky train they both were like oh i love her she's so awesome she's the best and i was like oh my god i want that girl who just left the sky train to know how good her friends are to her so eavesdropping is beautiful because it's like somebody else is telling a story and you can just listen to what they're saying and visualize their life without actually knowing who the heck they are. I love eavesdropping. Um, oh, let's talk about what to do when you have diarrhea. This is so ironic Uh, nobody needs to know this, but I was suffering from this topic yesterday. And let me tell you what I did. I got my phone and I was in the washroom for a long time. After I got out of the washroom, I went back to the washroom because my stomach hurt again. And then finally, when I could leave the washroom and leave for a little chunk of time, I took Pepto. Pepto-Bismol. Love it. It's going to be your best friend. You could also eat bread, any type of dry food. Stay away from the dairy products. Stay away from like the liquids and the things that already make you poop. Um, and make sure that you're always by toilet. Now, yesterday I was suffering from this and I had to go to the mall. So I took that Pepto. Didn't do anything. Took another helped a little bit. And then I got a Slurpee. Slurpees always make me poop. So I was just a wreck at the mall, but I got some Christmas shopping done and it was good. But I will tell you, my stomach did hurt. And then I went home. Whatever. We don't need to go into detail of what I did. And then I felt better. So my advice to people suffering from diarrhea is to eat dry food, take Pepto, drink water, and let it out. Next topic. What's on and off limits for a first date? Believe it or not, I've never been on a date. Um, If I did, 
my ideal first date or any date would be maybe like a McDonald's run, a KFC run, a Wendy's run, like some sort of fast food run, and then watch a movie. I hate flowers. I don't like chocolate. I don't like eating popcorn or eating food at the movies because when I'm watching a movie, that's what I'm doing. I'm only watching a movie. I don't want to, um, I don't want to be eating because I'm focused on watching the movie. And so I would love to go get food somewhere quick and cheap and then watch a movie. And that's like the perfect thing. And then if you want after like hang out in the car and just chit chat about what we just watched, I think that would be beautiful. Um, But things that are on and off limits on a first date. So um, this was actually an argument or conversation I had a couple years ago with my mom which was would you tell someone you were on a first date with that you have kids on that first date she said no that she would want to wait get a sense of who they are and then tell them that she has two kids and I said that is vile That is awful. If I was on a date with a person and they told me they had children, I would know to leave. I would know to be like, thank you so much. This isn't going to work out. I'm not going to waste your time. I'm not going to waste my time. I don't want to build a connection, find out you have kids, and then be stuck or break your heart. So thank you for telling me on the first date. But goodbye. It gives the person an out if you tell them on the first date. You don't want to lure someone in, build something, tell them, and then them have a reaction that I would, which would be a negative one, and leave. Right? I think it's definitely on limits to tell your first date buddy if you have kids. It's just, it's it's what you do. And if you get a sense that they're creepy, then you're going to be the one to leave the date anyways. So you don't have to tell them that you have kids because you're getting a bad sense of who they are. But if you like them and you want a second date, hey, just so you know, I have children. And they might be like, that's phenomenal, so do I, or I always wanted kids, or, oh, that's kind of scary, but I'm totally down. Or they'd be like, okay, that's not really what I'm into. I'm not ready for that. I don't want that, whatever, and that's it. And then at that point, you you know, you only had one day and they know that you have kids and that that's it. So definitely for me, I think it's important to talk about if you have children. What's off limits is divorce ex-boyfriends, ex-girlfriends, ex-people. I think that you don't have to talk about. First dates are definitely about getting to know each other. I think it would even be fun to bring to a first date like um, a little question and air game, Um, 21 questions or truth or dare, something fun like that where you can learn about someone but also have a little bit of fun while doing it. I think that would be fun. 
Um, what else is off limits? Phobias, I think, are off limits. I think uh, sex talk is off limits. Because if you talk about sex, they're going to assume that that's what you want after. So just don't. Um, oh, please, if you are a workout f- bro and don't bring it up unless you found a workout person on t- Tinder or whatever, then go off. But if you're like, I work out seven days a week, six hours a day, I'm out. And I'm sure most people are out too. Um, I think it's important to talk about work. But I think it's also important to limit that conversation to maybe just a couple of minutes. Um, I think it's also important to limit every conversation if it's feeling a little stagnant to end it. Like if you're on a date and first date, second date, third date, whatever, and it's heavily one person speaking and only talking about them and not asking you questions or asking you about your opinions then that's also a red flag to me as well. So I think uh, it's important to have a mutual conversation, a two-sided conversation, but it is also important to listen to each other. So listening is on limits, talking is on limits, work is on limits shortly. Uh, Education can be also one of those things where you talk about it briefly it could be something that sparks a longer conversation you could be like I am going to school for I went to school for dot 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 and they could be like oh my god I wanted to do that and then you guys can start a conversation um I think that that's important is to let the conversation kind of flow naturally am I just giving advice on how to talk to podcast guests Maybe I am, but uh, I think it's good to have something prepared in case it's awkward. Probably will be anyways, right? Like you're meeting a stranger and you're like, are we compatible to date? Oh, it's also, I think, on limits. It's important probably to talk about what you're expecting from the first date. Are you expecting a lifelong relationship? Are you wanting children? Are you... um? not wanting to get married. Like, I think those conversations are also important to have on the first date. Because for me, what I want is different than most women. I don't want to have children. I don't necessarily want to get married. I'm good with a common law marriage. I'm good to be a fiance forever. But the marriage itself, I mean, I'll talk about this in a whole other episode, but marriage to me is cursing it. Um... And so that's something that I would bring up on a first date. Uh, What I would like from it, and it could be the same as someone else. It could be different. It could be something that we're willing to change because we felt we had a good connection. Or it, it might be a solid answer where it's like, this is what I want. If you're not willing to give it to me, then I'm going to go. So, yeah. Also, um... Who pays for the first date? I'm not going to lie. I think going half and half is probably a good idea. Like I pay for my portion, you pay for your portion. If if 
the person you're going on a date offers you to pay for dinner or whatever, great. I also think that there needs to be a balance. I don't think it's that the men pay for everything. If they pay for dinner, then I will pay for gas. Or if they pay for dinner, then I'll pay for the movie. Um, If they buy me flowers, then I'll pay for the dinner, even though I hate flowers. Um, So yeah, I think there's an old-fashioned expectation, which can sometimes become a little toxic if there's expectations on men to pay for the dates. It's not chivalrous. I don't find it to be. Um, I don't think it's anything. Like if a guy feels expected to pay and I'm like, no, it's fine. I'll cover it. Then maybe they'll be like, oh my God, she's so hot. But if I'm like, yeah, obviously you're going to pay for it. Then it's like, oh, I see how this is going to go. I can see the future of this relationship by you saying that obviously I, the man, would pay for the food. So, um... I think in some way, if you can even out who pays for things, that that's probably the best option for probably the first few dates. And then after that, maybe uh, you pay for one date, they pay for the other. You know what I mean? Or if you guys are planning dates for each other, then you pay for the date that you planned. I don't know. Uh, everyone's different on that one and everyone has their own opinions on on who pays for dates, but I think um, making it equal is the best option and the most um, appropriate option, honestly. Okay, next. My boyfriend cheated on me, but I still want him. What do I do? Um, this is tough. I think if I think there's a level of respect to yourself um, that that you owe yourself a space, at least. I think if you, I think everyone is redeemable. Sorry, there's a car and I thought that was coming from in my house and I was like, somebody is going to kill me. No, they're not. Because the law of attraction, I am not going to die. So, yeah, there's a level of respect that you owe yourself to at least give yourself space from that person, to ask for space from that person so you can think without the distraction. Um, And this goes for every gender, um, every lover, every person in a relationship, not just men towards women. It goes for everyone. If you take that time to yourself, whether it be a couple days, a few weeks, whatnot, and you think about the way that their actions made you feel, and you can understand that they intentionally hurt you because they did. Even if they say they didn't, if they say they were drunk, if Whatever the excuse was for cheating, they intentionally did hurt you because you are committed to that person and they broke that commitment. So intentionally, yes, they hurt you no matter the excuse. No matter if you were married or not. If you have a commitment to each other that you are only going to be 
each other's person and they go off and cheat on you, even if it was drunk, they intentionally hurt you. That's the first thing you have to understand is that they did hurt you on purpose because they did something with someone else that wasn't you. Um, so when you realize that, you can then focus on the trust. Now, I guess there's like no particular way to do this, but I'm just going off of what I think is going to be most beneficial for you in the decision that you make in the future because there is a decision. Am I going to stay with this person or am I not? And for some, it's easier than others. I think if someone cheated on me, that's it. That's what I say as an outsider. I don't know. Um, it's definitely different when you're in the relationship. I totally understand. If you love that person, can you trust them after what they did? Do you see you letting go? Or do you see them working late and you thinking maybe they're cheating on you again? Do you see them going out with the boys and think... Do you see them going out with friends and you being concerned that they're going to do it again? Are you constantly in a state of fear that their actions are going to repeat? If you think that answer is going to be yes or if it is yes for you, I think you need to let go. I think you can love someone so much that you don't want to end things with them. But if you are in that constant state of fear, if you are constantly feeling like you're not enough for someone else because they're cheating on you, if you're starting to be insecure, wondering if you're enough, and all of these things are going in your head, it's because you don't trust that person anymore. It's because you're doubting the relationship. And if you're at that point, you got to break free. You have to you have to let go, I think, and you have to be okay with losing someone that you love because they're not giving you that same treatment back or they're making you question their love for you. Cheating is very hard and it's a very complicated and and difficult thing to overcome. Some Sometimes people do cheat and the other person decides to stay with them and they flourish and and they build something beautiful. And lots of times it's the opposite. Cheating repeats. Unhealthy habits occur. Um, unhealthy mindsets develop. Insecurities develop. Confidence um, falls through the cracks and and relationships crumble. So I think it's, do you see your future with the person who cheated on you being redeemed or are you afraid? And I think that is your answer if you should stay with someone or if you should move on. I hope that helped. How do I overcome my fear of scary things? Specifically scary things, not how do I overcome fears. How do I overcome my fear of scary things? Well, the only way through is through, right? If you want to be someone who likes horror, well, here's here's a few things. If you want to be someone who likes scary things but you're afraid, 
I think the first thing you do is you find a friend. Hi, I'm one who loves horror, who loves scary things. And you say, hey, as someone who is afraid of that kind of stuff but wants to venture into it, what would you recommend? I would, me, I would recommend watching Chucky, um, maybe as a starter, uh, maybe Fear Street, I would recommend, um, I would recommend, um, what else, um, maybe something like The Fifth Wave, like something that aren't really scary, but might make you a little nervous, Chucky is not scary, I'm just telling you this, it's, it's, it's more comedy than scary. So honestly, I, I would do that. Um, and then progressively, you can watch things a little more scarier, like The Shining. And then you can step to Annabelle. And then you could do Hereditary or The Conjurings. And you can inch your way up midsummer. Like you can, you can venture your way up, but you start at the bottom. And then you do baby steps. Okay, I can handle this. Let me go forward. Oh, I can't handle more than this. So let me watch another movie of the same kind of horror level until I'm okay with it. And then I could go up. So I think that's my best advice for if you're wanting to venture into horror, but you're afraid to do it. Uh, another great um, show to watch if you want to watch something a little spooky but you don't want to be scared is um, The Midnight Club. If you are someone who loves horror and you want to be scared, The Haunting of Hill House. If you're wanting something in between genuinely scary and not scary at all, The Haunting of Bly Manor. So there are there are lots of options. You just need to know who to talk to to get you those options of the levels and whatnot. Um, if you're scared of, of scary things like heights, if you're scared of those things, I, I genuinely think the best way, and I'm not a pro, like I'm not out here being like, I'm afraid of this, but I conquered my fear. No, I, I'm terrified of spiders, so I stay away. There's a spider behind me that I'm looking back. Um, I kill him if I absolutely have to. Otherwise, I get my mom. I call my mom. I scream. I have a spider scream. I, I can scream a certain way and my mom and my brother can run and be like, where is it? So, yeah, I think, um, I, I'm, I'm preaching these words, but I don't follow them myself. The only way through is through. If you have a fear of heights, jump out of a plane. If you have a fear of spiders, hold one or kill one. So to get over your fear of scary things is to just sit down, watch a movie, or do the damn scary thing. Period. Oh, let's talk about cry culture. So there is an expectation that's been put on boys um, people who identify as male, um, that they have to be strong. That crying is weak. It's not. Crying is the most vulnerable, the most meaningful 
of emotions that we could exude. Crying can be happiness. Crying could be sad. Crying could be a cry for help. Crying is so beautiful. And to tell a group of people that they are not allowed or that they're weak to feel an emotion or to feel any kind of sadness is so toxic and dangerous. I'm going to say it. Most of the people preaching these kinds of behaviors are Republicans or far-right people. And that's fine. Do you. Believe in what you want. But you notice that the people who say crying are weak, crying is weak, are the same people who want guns in their house, are the same people who say women shouldn't have rights to their bodies. Those are the same people who voted against, um, oh no, those are the same people who voted for the Don't Say Gay Bill. Those are the same people who voted for Roe v. Wade to be overturned. So, it is so okay to cry. No matter who you are, no matter who you identify as, crying is beneficial. It is a release. It is therapy. It is It is a way to feel what you are feeling even if you don't have the words to describe what you want to say. So cry for the love of God if that is what you need to do cry. Okay, I don't want to hear that you can't cry because you're a man. That makes you weak. That's all I've got to say on that. Um, let's move to how to be a fashion icon. Well, if you look at me, if you can see me on YouTube or if you can't, I'm wearing black sweatpants, a black sweatshirt, and Socks, Christmas socks with sheep on them. I am a fashion icon. I mean, come on. Uh, no, I don't do fashion. But uh, what can make you a fashion icon is to either look up to fashion icons like Emma Chamberlain, um, Kendall Jenner, Hailey Bieber, Zendaya. God, look up to Zendaya. Rihanna, Ariana Grande, whoever it is for you. And to do an on-budget version of what they do and, and make it yourself. If there's an outfit that Zendaya wore that you love, wear it. But also make it unique to you. Don't copy other people. You can love someone's outfit and you could want to re recreate it, but you can also do that with adding a hint of your own uniqueness to it. So honestly, what makes you a true fashion icon of the eyes of someone of a fashion icon? Well, it's to uniqueify it. I don't think uniqueify is a word, but I made it a word. So do you wear what you want to wear, wear what makes you confident, don't wear what people say is best suited for your body type. If you are a big girl and you want to wear a two-piece fucking bikini, go to the beach and strut 
in that two-piece bikini because you look good and screw what other people say. And if you are small and you want to wear a one-piece and people are judging you because whatnot, say, fuck you, I'm doing me. And that goes for everybody type. That goes for every gender. That goes for every damn outfit. Wear what makes you happy. Wear what makes you confident. Because when you are confident, you look confident. And that's a wrap on me giving you unsolicited advice. People who give unsolicited advice are usually the most judgmental people. They are usually the people who have the most judgment. The people... Sorry, I thought... My audio stopped. I was like, why does it say 38 seconds? We're good. Those are usually the people who um, are struggling maybe within their own life and and are trying to grasp for some sort of um, whatever because they're looking for something. So just know if someone's giving you unsolicited advice, it's usually because they are trying to gain control or they're just super judgmental people anyways. Um, Things to know. Understanding your motivation to give unsolicited advice. What is your desire? Is it to help them or is it to gain control? Is it to make yourself feel more powerful and in the know? A lot of the times when I get unsolicited advice, it's from people who think they know more than me. And maybe you do. Maybe you do. Maybe you are just genuinely trying to help. But if I didn't ask for your help, I don't want it point blank. I'm that person. I will ask when I need help. I love to try and figure things out on my own. I do. Um, my agent was like, call me when you get this sheet and we'll, we'll, I'll show you what it goes, how to read it. And I got that form and I was trying to figure it out myself. And then I, I messaged my agent and I'm like, Hey, I tried to figure it out myself. Is this information correct? And she's like, yeah, you read it perfectly. When you try to do things yourself, usually you can figure it out. And if you can't, you know you have the resources to ask for help. But when that person is giving you unsolicited advice, you no longer want to go to them. So it kind of, getting unsolicited advice maybe once or twice is whatever, but constantly will create a barrier in the relationship. Um, So instead of listening to what someone else is saying and being like, well, how can I help them? What advice can I give you? Instead, actively listen. Listen to their problem. What is it that they're asking you? Are they asking you for help? Or are they asking you to just listen and and let them rant? And kind of, and, and take that for what you will. Ask them if they want advice. It is the simplest thing you can do. Hey, I have some advice I could give you. Do you want to hear it? Or I have a tip that might help. Are you willing to listen? Or if you want advice, I could give you some. But don't just assume. When you assume someone needs help, then the receiver can feel like you think they're incompetent, that they're not smart enough. That's how I feel when people give me unsolicited advice, which is usually from a lot of family members. That's what it makes me feel like. It makes me feel like they think I'm incompetent, that I don't know how to handle my own damn life. 
that I want to fail, that they don't think I'm smart enough to handle my own situations. That's how powerful, in a bad way, unsolicited advice can be. So really think long and hard before you give unsolicited advice. Genuinely, that is my unsolicited advice to you. Um, this was actually a really fun episode. Uh, I, I loved giving you guys unsolicited advice. But don't be one of those people. Don't be one of those people. Nobody likes you. Nobody wants to be around those kinds of people. So I'm going to end off on that. Be brilliant. Be unique. Take care of yourself. And love hard. And make sure you tell people if you have kids on the first date or not. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Bye, everyone. Bye.